welcome to the festive edition of Technically Speaking, Arigo's podcast aimed at helping the Icelandic business community be safer, be more successful by making the most of digital and technological transformation. Today is the 12 days of a cyber secure Christmas. 2020 has been the year where the world has gone online. And most businesses have been just focused on getting the technology to work, whether it be moving to the cloud, whether it be developing new applications or different delivery models to market. But how many businesses have actually stopped to thought how secure is what we've done? So today I'm bringing you the 12 cyber secure days of Christmas. And I'm interviewing a good friend of mine, Francis West, who is a cybersecurity consultant based in the UK. Welcome, Francis. How are you? Good morning, Alex. It's an absolute pleasure to be here with you today. And may I say thank you so much for the opportunity to allow me to share some of my knowledge and experience that I've obtained over the last 30 years about cybersecurity. And I'm hoping that people that listen to this session of ours today will become a lot more aware, skeptical, and safer. Indeed, indeed. It was only today, Francis, that I got an email from someone uh, that, that said, oh, please don't open that document that was sent over the weekend. I was hacked. And uh, I'm just thinking of that individual having to go out to all of their contacts within their business to say, I'm really sorry I didn't look after, after cyber. Right? I guess that's the sort of thing you deal with every day. You know, Alex, if I tell you that since the beginning of lockdown here in the UK on the 1st of April, we've seen an increase in scams by 660%. In the Holy last 30 years, In the last 30 years, 30 years, I've never, ever, ever seen anything like it. And that email you, you spoke about just now, I've seen so many cases of it, but, but if I may comment on that email, the, the problem is that company is recruiting for law firms. And all those email addresses that we included were his clients. So can you imagine, I think that guy, whoever that email account that got hacked, these days of recruiting for those businesses are gone. As we know, Francis, that guy was recruiting for lawyers and he's had to tell all his lawyers that tend to be a bit concerned about data and privacy that they haven't looked after their data. Absolutely not. You know, it, it's, it's a pity that in this day and age, people don't realize that their email is probably one of their best valuable estates on the planet. It's the one door you can't close in a business. Oh, well, 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 hang on. You're, you're getting ahead of yourself. You're getting ahead of yourself, Francis. That's one of our days of Christmas. Ah, we'll, we'll go back to it in a minute. So, uh, and Francis, tell us a little bit about, about yourself. Now, uh, you're in the UK because that's how we know each other, but you don't sound like you're from the UK. No, you've broken here. I am South African. My dad was in the police for 37 years. He never wanted me to follow in his footsteps. But I tell you, uh, I've been involved in cybersecurity for some time now, and I think I finally found my calling because I feel delivering IT support for businesses around the world is one thing, but securing their livelihoods and helping them be aware and safe from hackers and scammers is infinitely more rewarding. And that is why I decided to make it my mission 
to educate and protect at least a million people from hackers and scammers by 2023. Right. Well, we'll let you know how many people listen to the podcast so you can, can tick a few off because that's, that's an admirable, admirable goal. Right. So let, let's get started on the 12 cyber secure days of Christmas. Now, a bit unusually, we're not just going to have 12 because we've got day zero. Zero in cybersecurity world stands for zero trust. The concept of zero trust is gaining a lot of traction in the cyber world where it used to be about give someone a password and once they've given the password, you let them in to the whole organization. Increasingly, it's about creating firewalls that defend different parts of your organization. What's your experience with the zero trust mentality, Francis? You know, Great question. And I think it's a, it's a really good sentence or standard or whatever you want to call it. But for me, sadly, not a lot has changed because people and, and the education is not there in larger companies and in smaller companies, which means they are not educated properly to take this whole zero trust where every single room or device has a separate login or login process. Most people are lazy and they're still using the same details. And I guess in in organizations, especially now that organizations are bigger and bigger before they get someone dedicated into IT, because like in my company, I run my own 365, and I think everybody in my 365 is an admin. But if it was a building, I wouldn't give them a key to every filing cabinet. I wouldn't give them a key to finance, to HR, to the server room. But yet I'm doing that within my IT. And you know why, Alex? Because people can't see it. What they can see physically, that's why you've got a, a different key to your front door, your back door, maybe your car, all different keys, right? Which is good because that's zero trust security. But you're right. I think it's because people can't see, you know, they can't see these physical little, little virtual doors in the cyber world. They think that, nah, it's okay. It won't happen to me. Yeah. And I guess because they can't see it. They don't see the gaps. What they don't realize is the people whose job it is to hack, to scam, to manipulate your data, to steal your data, they see the different entrance ways. Yeah, but it's so easy for them because it's their job. If I tell you, China, there are offices the size of rugby fields where people come in at nine, they leave at 5.30, and it's their job to hack people around the world. They think that's just normal. It's a day job. And I know in in parts of Eastern Europe, in Belarus, there's organizations where they'll have like a six-story building and they have like the marine floor. They have the financial services floor and they they, they do business development trying to sell DDoS attacks and and data attacks. It's just mind-blowing. But but Alex, you know what my view on this is? People say, why do these bad people do it? I said supply and demand. And the point you've just raised there, as long as these virtual doors are kept open and not being looked after, not locked down properly, the demand is always there, which means the supply will be there. So the first bit of Cyber Christmas, zero trust. Don't trust anyone. Go and start looking who you're giving access to the different rooms in your business. Let's go to the first day of a cyber secure Christmas, which is it only takes one attack to get through to take you offline. Well, you know, I do a lot of webinars, seminars on cybersecurity, and I always love to ask people this question. I said, how many keys do I need to get in your front door? They go, one. How many keys do I need to get in your back door? They go, one. How many keys do I need to get into your car? They go, one. So I said, how many keys do you think a hacker or scammer needs to get into your entire life? 
and you can see the pennies dropping, dum dum dum, and they go one. And I said, so therefore, why are you using the same key for all your online systems, including your email? And, and I think one of those things, if you think of all the businesses now that have moved to an e-commerce platform, they're selling online, they're delivering their service online, they've got their employees working from home, and just one hack can, can, can close all that down. Now, Alex, let me, on that point, which is, I feel very strongly about, I don't know if you saw, but when the lockdown, the first lockdown started, all the VPN suppliers sold millions and millions of VPNs. Why? Because they say, well, when you're working from home, you now have a secure connection into the office. And I'm totally against VPNs because most people don't configure them properly, which means if you, you're sitting in the lounge and your son has just downloaded an infection on his computer, which now goes over the Wi-Fi because you connect to the same Wi-Fi, spreads to your work laptop and gets infected. Now, only thing that's going to happen, that infection is going to go securely down the VPN tunnel into the head office and take out every other connected user. <laughs> How is that a good idea? Yeah, and it's a bit like why, if you go to a law firm, they never allow you to use a USB stick. Could you just, oh, sorry, I've just got a presentation. Could you print this? I was, I was uh, doing a presentation at Royal Bank of Scotland, and they said, you're not allowed to use your own laptop. You've got, to send the, you've got to send us the file a week before, and then you can use it. Because the mindset was, we need time to protect these to protect these things. Well, if you have the right solutions in place, again, you could have protection real time. And, and we, we spoke about zero trust, which is also maybe talk about zero, zero day attack. Because with zero day attacks, the problem that you have, and I know you love your stats, is that if you asked me this question in January, I would have said to you, you would have said to me, so Francis, how many new attacks happen every, you know, every day, every hour, every so? And I would have said, you know what, Alex, uh, every four seconds, there's one new unknown or attack that's been released on the planet. Do you know what it is today? What? Four every second. In Iceland, we're a small country, so 330,000 people, uh, you'd be thinking, well, no one's going to be bothered with Iceland. I mean, is that, is that a fair statement? Not at all. No, not at all. As long as you've got a computer, as long as it's connected to the internet, you're a target. And the problem is, if they can get into the big boys, think how much easier it is for a hacker to get into a small business or a home user. Yeah. Infinitely easier, because you don't have the layers of protection in place. So we sort of know it only takes one, but when, when, you, when you're trying to talk to business owners and, and directors in businesses about cyber protection, what sort of objections do you get? Oh, uh, my IT company says I'm already protected because they're running free version of ABG or something like that. Right, okay. You know what? Um, yeah, uh, I'm too small. I don't have any important data. And then, and then <laughs> okay. I start laughing and I said, you know what, Can, would you mind... You know, I said, could you entertain me with a score at this conversation? Yeah, no, of course. I said, let's have a look at your sent items and let's type in the word passport or tickets or bank and let's see what information comes up. And then let's have a look at how many orders and, and quotes and invoices you've sent to your customers. Do you think they would mind if your account got compromised and now you sent them an invoice which they now paid into the hacker's account and you've just lost 10,000 or 50,000 pounds or, or whatever. Yeah. Then all of a sudden, then they pay attention. I read a stat the other day that for $300, you can get access to a bank account that's worth $150,000.
Alex, you can pay less than that. No, that's horrific. That objection, which is, I don't really have any important data. That's the objection that I would give, which is, no one's going to bother with me, but I guess they don't care. Like, they, they just want the ability to ransom you. They want the ability to shut down your website because someone will want that information and someone will find what you do valuable. I, I agree. But the thing is, again, it's a numbers game. So if I'm going to send out a million emails, which, of course, I bought the records for less than one penny on the dark web, and maybe I get even a 2% hit rate, and I and that 2%, I, I get $50 from each person. Do you know how much money we can make? Tell me. Millions uh, in a day. In a day. In a day. So, and I, I guess that's what pays for the big buildings. So let's move on to day two of a cyber secure Christmas two-factor or multi-factor authentication. Like a lot of us will think of two-factor authentication as a bit of a pain in the bum. It's the thing that slows down your login. But even a Luddite like me has, has two-factor authentication because if you think about PayPal, it's got all your cards on it. You know, I, I mean, what's your view on two-factor authentication, Francis? I would not use any application or system online unless it's protected by multi-factor authentication. Yeah. Why? What percentage of organizations do you think enforce two-factor authentication? Yeah. Only banks, sadly. And I think that's criminal, Alex, because they must do it. Um, you know, I'll tell you a quick story. Uh, somebody phoned me the other day. You know, his Amazon account got hacked. You won't believe it. The, whoever hacked it ordered three ice cream machines to the value of £30,000. Wow. He's still waiting for the money back from Amazon. But if his Amazon account was locked down with multi-factor authentication, do you think they would have been able to order those ice cream machines? Absolutely not. Absolutely exactly. not. And so, he did it in winter. That's what's more freaky. I mean, who needs that many ice cream machines in winter? Precisely. Right? You know, it's big business. And, and I get people Facebook, LinkedIn, they phone me and they cry. People have lost businesses. Why? Because they didn't have multi-factor authentication turned on. Why would you not do it? So we can move on to day three because we've still got we still got days to go through. So know, day three is three six five data protection. Yeah. And and a stat that, that I love, which is ninety percent of all attacks in an organization come through email. Yeah. Talk me through that, Francis. Well, it's it's think about it, Alex. Email is the only door you can't close in a business or at home. Even if you've got a Gmail or whatever account or, or Amazon account uh, or Yahoo email address, you can't close it because then everything stops, of course. The problem that we have is when an email comes in, most companies out there that provide your email system do not provide email security. So, Doesn't 365 do email security? Only if you buy the E5 plan then it will include. If you just buy the normal premium account, okay. but even so, my view of this is why would you, when, when somebody comes into your, uh, into your lounge, why stop them there? I want to stop them in another neighborhood. So my point is, like, you know, number one. Number two, it's, it's a fact that Microsoft, they stop around about 40 or 50%. Well, I can argue that's better than nothing, but they do not follow the link through, for instance. So every link that comes into the email, you need to follow that link all the way through and see where it ends up, and then you'll see whether it's infected or not. Wow. And that's why I always recommend that you use external email security. That's why you need someone that's a specialist. That's why you need to work with an a IT partner that engages in people whose job is to track those links 
because Microsoft's in the in the business of Azure, like doing Word. Like, I mean, it's it's not a cyber company. It, it gives you basic protection, but it doesn't give you all the protection you need. No, and that's why you know you've got specialists. You specialists in what you do. I'm a specialist in what I do. A doctor specialist in what they do. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So so can't expect one person to do everything very well. Or and, one that, and that's why in in Arico we 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 partner with. IT specialists, because obviously there's only so much space for IT companies in Iceland, but we, we've partnership with Cloudflare. We have other partners that we use to help from a, a cyber perspective. I know one of the phishing scams that's going around in Iceland at the moment is when people order things from Amazon and they get delivered to Iceland, you get an email from the post office basically saying you've got to pay your customs fee before we release it to you. You've got hackers that are sending false emails to like, you think it's normal because the emails look and feel like the, the, the post office, but actually they're going to get your bank details and they're going to start taking all your money. Yeah, exactly. No, well, this is it. And, and, and unless you have a solution that can take that guessing work out of the end user, the more likely you are to, to have a better effect. Because, yeah. you know, we have a lovely saying, we say there's no patch for stupidity in the nicest possible way yeah. because you, you're allowing somebody who doesn't have the experience who doesn't have the technology doesn't have the ai built in to be able to be that last line of defense who's the final person that's going to click on that link and then fill something in if you link to that a lot of people use work emails for personal purchases and personal accounts is that is that right you can't make it up you can't and make they it use up. the same password. Yeah. If I tell you again, we do a lot of dark web monitoring reports or dark web audit reports for companies and for individuals. Do you know how many times we find that people, when, when I sit down with the owners or the, or the, you know, the, the directors in the business, says, why is Mary's account uh, being compromised and this is my fitness pill or, you know, or my you know, Netflix I'm saying, well, it's because they're using the business email address for all their personal online accounts. That's Do many organizations try to prohibit people using work emails for personal things? They can't. How can they? They okay. should be, but, or, but they can't. So, so the only thing they can do is educate. Educate. Let's go to the fourth Arigo Cybersecure Christmas, which is 4% of people use password managers. Now, What's great is that I found this research on Digital Guardian from a thousand surveys that they did. And, and you've done similar research, Francis. I have. And, you know, I'm shocked. I'm so shocked because so many times, you know, when I do my webinars, I think I've done 62 now since the 1st of April. And I've spoken to thousands of people. And I always ask at the beginning, I said, can you just put your hand up? How many people here today are using a password manager of some sort? And some people look at me really bewildered as to what is it in the first place. And then maybe some of them will put their hand up. And on average, it's around about the 4 or 5%, which I just think, wow, it's again, yeah. it's the least amount of money you could spend a month compared to wine, whiskey, beer, that can give you safety, that protects yeah. you, all your assets, so you can and, buy more alcohol. And to demystify this for, for, for the audience is password managers are things like LastPass. So it's almost like you have a safety deposit box for all your passwords. It can create passwords which are extremely complicated to decode, but you don't need to remember those passwords because they, it stores all those really complicated passwords for you. Precisely. You know, it, 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 you don't have to sync anymore. And this is the thing. People end up using the same password everywhere. Why? Because they 
they can't deal with remembering everything. And the moment you use a tool that you secure properly, very important point, then you don't have to think about it. So 20, uh, when, when we use uh, one of our favorites that we always use, the Keeper, and it allows you to generate a 20-digit password. Now, that 20 random password takes on average 44 trillion years to crack. And I don't know about you, I'm going to be long dead by then. And the thing is, Francis, you're, you're making me realize how multi-layered this is. So I use a, an external password manager, but I don't have two-factor authentication. You're <laughs> so, a brave man. So all oh, I need to do, Alex. <laughs> so it's like, I have, it's like I've got a single lock on the safe with all my money in. No, that's not clever. Let me tell you, sorry to say that, but it's a fact. So what I'll do is I'll send you a link. Through your yeah. email, you'll click on that link. And once you click on that link, without any pop-ups, I've just installed a keylogger on your machine, on your PC or Mac. And next time you log on to your password manager, I've just now captured your master password. How, how did you do that? To, how did you do uh, that that easily? Because it's so simple to send you a link that, of course, that's why, again, email security is so important that you click on all I need. You know, in some cases, we just have need you to have open up a, a tab in in Chrome and then close the tab and I've now inst installed a keylogger on your machine without your knowledge. You'll never know because normal antivirus solutions cannot detect this kind of behavior. That is frightening. But we've got to move on. The fifth day of a cyber secure Christmas is five minutes of education. What I often do when I speak to business owners or even heads of IT is they say, oh, we did a webinar on that, or we've got an e-learning program. And, and what we say at Arico is it's not about one hour, it's about five minutes every week. It's about that repetition and drip feeding of cyber security best practice across the organization, but also on a personal level. Precisely. Uh, you know, this is why, you know, I, if you look at my mission, it's about education comes first and adding layers of protection second. And the thing is about education is it's about creating awareness. So, you know, I, I always say you need to do it at least, you know, at minimum once a week, if not, you know, more often. But the problem is that if you do it more often than once a week, some people would just go, you know what, I just start ignoring the advice. Often it's not telling people what they're doing wrong, it's letting them know where the gaps are. And once they find the gap for themselves, they start going. So for instance, uh, for instance, uh, DTOS, we're, we're doing a lot with DTOS at the moment because of our new partnership with Cloudflare. All we do is we just go, what would you do in this situation? And a lot of people yeah. have DTOS protection that they turn off and on rather than just managing it all the time. And yeah, then they go, yeah. right, well, if it happens at night, then they start to, 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 to work through it themselves. Yeah, I agree with you. But, but then again, if I look at the latest stats, only 5% of attacks are DDoS attacks on, uh, what do you call it, on, on say, on, on, on a lot of websites. But when they happen, they're really not funny. You know? But if, I, but if I've can... moved my business online now... Yeah, of course. But we're going to get to that in a minute because that's one sure. of the other days. So let's go to, to number six. Six connected devices, Internet of Things. I think what a lot of business owners, individuals, directors and in companies don't realize is that every smart device they've got connected to their network, whether it be a projector, a TV, a sensor, their security cameras, is a door to your systems and your organization. This happened last year. So this guy goes to his mom, you know, he's off to Malta and he needs to print off his, his tickets because his printer ink ran out. Trying to print it, his mom's out, trying to print, trying to print it, 
printer doesn't work again for some reason. Anyway, in a half, he's off and he goes to his mate's house and gets his tickets printed. Off he goes to Malta. The next day, nosy neighbor, her name is Mary, she comes over to Judith, his mom's house, and says, um, good morning, was that your, your son there last night? Yeah, 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 he came, he tried to print his tickets, it didn't want to work, and he's off, but he's off, he managed to get a print in there. And she gives the piece of papers to his mom. In other words, the ticket. So what happened here, if you think about it, what happened was her son, by mistake, printed to the next door neighbor's printer. <laughs> now, if I can print your printer, I can hack into the entire house, or if this was yeah. the office. And yeah. this is the problem. People don't, and I don't know if you've ever been on a website called showdown.io, S-H-O-D-A-N.io. You can see all these internet-connected devices that are not secure are listed publicly, on this website, you can go into industrial control system. You can look at uh, CCTV cameras. You can look at gaming yeah. systems. I mean, it's frightening. Let me give you one more stats on IoT, Internet of Things devices. If I tell you, Alex, 30,800 new devices are added every single hour of the day. <sighs> and those devices just care about going to market. They don't necessarily think about cyber first. My, my advice here is sit at home or sit at the office Make a list of everything that you can see around you and then log on to each one or ask somebody who knows how to and change the default yeah. password on all those devices. Please, I beg you. The seventh day of a cybersecure Christmas, and we've given you a bit of a preview on this, is 7 million websites visits. That's right. It's DDoS. And it's about how will your network cope when you get a massive peak in traffic. Now, Francis said 5% of attacks are DDoS attacks. But imagine if you were a retail shop and sudden, suddenly someone put 400 people outside the front door of your shop. Customers couldn't get in. Now, personally, I can't get my head around DDoS, but it's about disruption. It's about your competitors being able to disrupt you if they're that way inclined. But also it's about just interference within your organization. What's your experience of protecting against DDoS attacks, uh, Francis? Uh, I'm going to answer your question in, in a roundabout way. Whose responsibility is it to drive your car properly, Alex? Me. Okay. So 90% of the time when we come across these problems, uh, DDoS attacks, is because people are not configuring the security on their web service properly. Right or they're not using the right security tools, which makes it really easy for hackers to take them out using yeah. DDoS. The argument we often get when we speak to clients in Iceland about DDoS is, I've got a solution, and if I get an attack, I can turn it on. The challenge is, is that having a solution you turn on and off doesn't necessarily prevent it happening. No, so that logic means, okay, so if I get COVID, then I'll take the jab. You know, that's not <laughs> clever. You take the jab first and you keep, you know, you keep being secure or you, yeah. well, I'll, I'll, I'll only lock my house if I get a burglary. Yeah. And I think the evolution of that, Francis, is that the flu vaccine is that there's a new one released every year because the, the flu virus mutates. I imagine yeah. COVID virus will continue to mutate. The challenge for businesses is they might have a solution today, but actually... 
making sure they, they can defeat the viruses is a full-time job and you've got to mutate your vaccine at the same time that the virus itself mutates. Yeah. And that's why, I mean, that's why we're seeing a big uptake with, with Cloudflare because people just want to outsource it. They just want to go, I want to employ someone whose job it is to actually stop this happening rather than stress out a guy in, our, in IT. Oh, let's stop at that point for a minute, because I always say to people, you know, if you're going to go for heart surgery, do you, do you go to your GP or do you go to a heart specialist? And the logic here applies that, you know, you cannot expect a normal IT company who's very good, no, make no mistake, at fixing pieces and service and maybe look after email to be an absolute expert in what is the latest cyber advice training product. There's something like over 900 security solutions out there for businesses. Which ones do you pick? Yeah, we're a big believer in that. And, that, and that's why we've got some capability internally in Eureka, but really we've partnered with some of the world's leading specialists because it's just not our full-time job. It's not yeah. our expertise. What we're going to do now is we're going to go to the eighth day of a cyber secure Christmas. We're going to talk about eight apps per employee. So based on research by Blissly, the average employee in an organization uses eight SaaS products. And that means you've got eight products that are probably using your work email, probably the same password. And more importantly, they may well have connected that tool via an API to your own internal systems. What's your view on that, Francis? My view is that, again, I mentioned that earlier, we see that so often where people are not trained properly to make 100% sure that the staff or, or their team or even their children are not using the same password again and again and again on all these different apps. Yeah. And I think also the challenge with that, uh, Francis, is that often these SaaS products aren't bought via IT, where there may be some controls. They're bought by department heads. And actually, in many organizations, IT don't actually have any idea which companies their, their CRM is connecting with or their, or their internal no. systems are connecting with because everybody's got the ability to, to create an API for that, for that organization. Yeah, exactly. You know, and a lot of people's a Gmail account or Facebook account is linked to authenticate them into other apps. So yeah. if any of those applications are not locked down with multi-factor authentication, then you've just opened the world up, not to those eight, but to maybe 18 yeah. or 20 other applications. And so a good example in my organization, I have a CRM that's got two-factor authentication, uh, but I have an email marketing system that may not. And, and so, but actually my CRM data is actually in my email marketing data. If I've yeah. got a forecasting tool in Salesforce, my CRM data that may be locked tight is actually being taken out of the door and left in a shed where everyone yeah. can get to it. Agreed. And that's one of, the, one of the challenges. So I just encourage business owners to sort of start thinking, do you, how do you keep track of, uh, of, some, of, those, some, of those, some of those some of those windows? Because it, it's about knowing that and it's about knowing where your API is going. Because one yeah. of the interesting things, Francis, I, I, I heard about is that often data now is not about stealing data. It's about manipulating the data that's within the system. And, and part of that is it's, it's almost worse than stealing because if they steal it, you know they've got it. If they've manipulated it, who, what did they do? How can I undo it? Uh, is the data I've got in my system reliable? It's almost more disruptive. Well, if you think about, uh, I, we had a case recently, again, 
where a small building firm, they managed to get a keylogger onto the head of accounts. This poor lady's been there for 30 years and she ended up paying an invoice. One of the invoices she sent out from zero, you know, the online accounting system, yeah. they managed to get the login details. So they were waiting just for the right time and then changed all the statements and all the invoicing with the hacker's bank details. So within a few days, the all the people received these statements in where a lot of them started paying the new bank details. They lost one point four million pounds. I mean, it's oh, a fairly large. And, and I guess it would take you four weeks to work that out because, and then you still no. wouldn't know because you're like, no one's no. paying us. No one's paying us. Credit no. control call, and they're like, we've paid, we've paid. No, you haven't. It's not in the bank. <laughs> well, not only that, but you know, again, you know, you I thought you like stats, right? So in the UK. 68% of small businesses have already been compromised. But here comes the interesting fact. On average, it takes them 237 days before they even find out. Okay? So my point that I'm making there is they would have been on that lady's system for potentially six months because they've got to build up the pattern. They've got to learn when she sends those statements, when she sends the invoices. Yeah. And then game over. And the banks don't give the money back. So number nine. Number nine, you're nine times more likely to suffer a cyber attack than a burglary. And this details come from Hiscox Insurance, one of the largest insurers in the, uh, in the UK. You know, we do a lot of work with them. And, and again, you know, I, I'm, I'm often surprised when I do my presentations and I say to people, how many of you have taken out cyber insurance? And if I tell you in the UK right now, similar number between 9 and 11% of companies have actually taken cyber insurance out. And when I do my presentation, I say, did you know that you're more likely to suffer a cyber attack than a burglary? Why don't you cancel your content insurance, go buy cyber insurance because your return on investment is going to be much higher. And of course, everybody laughs, <laughs> but it's a fact. And what about the number of businesses that actually lock up their PCs? Real criminals are not interested in hardware anymore. Uh, those days are gone, you know. In the old days, somebody used to break in your front door and steal your computer. Now they come in the back door, virtually back door, get onto your laptop at home and steal everything they want without touching the computer. Yeah. And you won't even know they've got it until nothing no, left. No, for 237 days, you won't know. There we are. We work with a lot of charities and charities will say, oh, well, you know, I'm only a small charity, there's nothing here to be seen. I said, that's interesting. So if I was to get onto your system and I can see all your rich donors that you are that's giving you money, how would you feel if I use you as a conduit to get into your rich donors? They go, what do you mean? What do you mean? I say, well, if I can get onto you, I can have a look at your donors, which means I can get into their systems because I'll send them an email from your email account. Oh, okay, fair enough. I get your point. And then all of a sudden, bang, then they get it. The penny drops again. When you look at CISOs and one of the challenges they have, it's not just about their systems. It's about the supply chain within. If I buy from a company, what is their security like? What is the security yeah. like on the companies that they buy from? That's where the issue is going to happen. Conduit, you know, or they use the way in. Number 10 of Rico Cyber Secure Christmas is 10 hands in on your face praying IT issues will go away. Because I know a lot of people that are listening to this are going, oh, I hate IT. Can't it just work? I don't want to learn a new system. Why does everything cost $20 per head per month? And it's just everyone wants IT to go away. 
But the challenge with this is that this is something that will not go away. Most of you will have read in the news that pharmaceutical companies are getting hacked from all over the world because they want all their virus intellectual property. What do you say, Francis, to someone that has their head in their hands and goes, I want IT to go away? I would say to them, if, if you want it to go away, stop, take out the internet out of, your, um, out of your house and your office and turn off your phone forever and throw it in the, in the river. Oh, then, we're all, then we all start doing window cleaning because that's the only thing that's left to do that doesn't need a computer. Bottom line is we cannot get away from everything is run online. Everything runs on a computer. This leads us to the 11th day of a cyber secure Christmas. And it's a stat I've made up, but I needed to fill the 12 days of Christmas, which is 11 times more sophisticated. This is a, a war that we're fighting. We are not going to win this war. Fact. Done. Let me give you the bad news. The good news is with enough education, with an, more layers of protection, we are minimizing our risk to the extent that they're going to go after another easy target. So all we, I always say, sorry, neighbor, because the neighbor is not as well protected as, as, as I am. So therefore, they're going to go for him. The hackers are now using, and scammers are using AI, artificial intelligence, to start learning. And they're going to get better, 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 better. So, so really, we need to do the same. So last but not least... It's the 12th day of the Eureka Cyber Secure Christmas. 12 stands for the months in the year. Cybersecurity is a 12 months a year activity. It's about thinking about it every day, every week, every month. Because it's about the culture of security and protection, not just about something you do as and when you feel like it. It's a journey. It's not a destination. And, and again, that's why you need to work with a partner. You need to find someone that, whose job it is to keep an eye out for you because like, you've got to be quite big to have a CISO. You know, you've got to have a lot going on to have a CISO. And if I'm head of IT, security is one part of a large part of what I do. I might be developing products. I might be managing the IT infrastructure. So it's about finding a way within your organization to have somebody that owns it and is responsible for it. We're at time. Francis, I want to say thank Invite you When very you connect much. with Francis, let him know where, where you've come from. Where does everybody find you? Well, uh, he's a fantastic is, uh, chap and amazingly in, in generous with his advice. And he's on a mission to educate a million people uh, from cyber attacks by 2023. So feel free to reach out to him. And if you've got an opportunity to help him reach more people and protect them from cybercrime, then feel free to do that. So thank you very much, Francis. Follow me. The one thing I ask everybody that's listening as a summary is take some of my advice from Alex and Mario No, don't worry about that. And, yeah. and, so I'm going to say goodbye again. So goodbye, now. Francis. Thank, Thank you very much. much, Francis. Thanks, Alex. Thanks for the opportunity again for me to educate a few more people around the planet to get me one step closer to my mission. Fantastic. Well, it's a very admirable mission and one I hope you achieve sooner rather than later. Thank you very much. Goodbye. Wasn't Francis a fantastic guest? We hope you've enjoyed Arico's 12 days of a cyber secure Christmas. We look forward to seeing you in the new year with more podcasts from around the world. Remember, we're always looking for guests. So if you've got a story of technological transformation, please contact me, Alex Moyle on LinkedIn or through the marketing department in Arico. And we'd be more than happy to have you as a guest and talk about your story of change. Have a great Christmas period and a fantastic new year.
Bye.